Good afternoon, and thank you for enjoying it with a six-pack, the Scotty Six-Pack, the only podcast that's bringing you the top stories in all of Wisconsin sports every single day. Plus, we do it in less time than it takes for you to finish your commute. My name is Kendrick Summers, and I also write the Scotty Six-Pack daily newsletter, which you should subscribe to at the link in this podcast description. That's scottysixpack.substack.com. And you can also follow the podcast on Twitter, at Scotty Six-Pack, or follow me, at Kendrick Summers. Let's talk about it. Today, we're going to hit a bunch of headlines in the top half of the show and finish the back half with the uh, college basketball update for all over the country. We're talking Badgers, we're talking UW-Milwaukee Panthers, and we're talking conference tournament season as it rolls along. But let's start with the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst had some really interesting comments today at the first day of the NFL Combine when he met with the media, and it's really indicative of, of course, everything all Packers fans are watching this offseason, and that is the Aaron Rodgers saga. Uh, Aaron Rodgers saga, if you want to call it the Jordan Love saga, uh, I won't blame you either way. But what we're looking for is these comments from Brian Gutekinds on Aaron Rodgers, in which he said, he's a great player, but until we have those conversations, I think all options are on the table. We need to have those conversations. We want what's best for the Green Bay Packers, what's best for him, so we'll get to that coming up. That's really interesting. Uh, I think it's a bit different than what he was saying in the past about how you know they just really want to have Aaron back. This is what he was asked about if they wanted Aaron back. And that's what they said at the beginning of the offseason, right out the gate, very forcefully saying it, uh, while also having this edge to it saying, you know, but we want him to take his time, make his decision so that we can make these uh, decisions with the most up-to-date information on what Aaron wants, on what the organization wants. And so this is kind of wishy-washy, kind of right where we always thought the Packers were, but it was not necessarily what Budikens said when he was asked about Aaron Rodgers. That's so interesting, as opposed to what was said about Jordan Love that actually gives us a lot of insight on what the Packers front office might be thinking right now. And so on Jordan Love, Gutekunst said, I think he's ready to play, and I think he's ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. That alone, in and of itself, is far more definitive than anything we've heard from the Packers organization on Jordan Love so far. We've heard plenty of praise for Jordan Love. We've heard plenty of, we think he's ready, but we have not heard, and it's just such plain terms that they think he's ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. They believe in what they got here. Uh, that's not something that we have heard. They, in the past, the Packers front office and the coaching staff has had minced words about Jordan Love uh, in previous off seasons when we were doing this with Aaron Rodgers before, uh, you know, the will he won't he dance of return to the Packers, retire, play football entirely. But now those are really definitive words. And Gutekunst wasn't done when he was talking about this. Gutekunst said later, we're excited about him talking about Jordan Love and said, I've expressed to a lot of people that he needs to play, that he needs to play. That's what he said. That's the next step in his progression. He needs to play. Jordan's done a great job working hard, so he's doing everything we're asking. So if Jordan Love needs to play, if he's read to be an NFL starting quarterback. Why don't the Packers then simply play Jordan Love? If this isn't just Brian Gutekunst 
talking Jordan Love up to the media, uh, then I am not quite sure why the obvious, obvious move for the organization isn't to play Jordan Love. The general manager needs to be a steward of the franchise to guide the franchise forward, not just on a season-by-season basis, but to see the big picture and to define the math for how the organization is going to be competitive one, two, three, four, five seasons from now. That five-season-from-now window needs to always be on the mind of a general manager of a professional football team, of a professional basketball hockey team. Um, it, it, and without that vision, I, I'm not sure that he's the right guy for the job. And, and so to, to say that, I, I'm first of all, I'm not saying that I do think Brian Gutekunst has that vision. However, I'm a bit confused as to why they are trying to get a Aaron Rodgers trade done a bit a bit sooner then. Uh, but I, I think there's a couple of ways we can look at the strategic purpose of these conversations. I think we can look at it a couple of ways where, one, if you are concerned about the Packers coming right out of the gate and saying that they believe Jordan Love should be a starting quarterback in the NFL, rather that's for the Packers or for some other team, uh, I think part of that, the concern as a fan about Gutekunst coming out and saying that is that you're removing potential leverage for a trade of Aaron Rodgers. If teams know that you think you have another NFL starting quarterback behind you, then they don't necessarily, like, then teams aren't going to feel like they need to give up a lot for Aaron Rodgers because teams understand that the view of your front office is that you aren't having this significant downgrade when you trade Aaron Rodgers. But the flip side of that is maybe we're starting to hear the Packers front office try to talk up Jordan Love for a potential trade package. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, it sounds like Jordan Love isn't going to be staying on this team. And the Packers need to restart the clock on a rookie quarterback development cycle, if that's whether they take a quarterback late in the NFL draft this year or they ride out another year of Aaron Rodgers and then take uh, a quarterback in the following year's NFL draft. But maybe, maybe we're seeing the Packers start to talk up Jordan Love as a potential trade piece as opposed to talking up Aaron Rodgers. However, I think this is probably more the Packers trying to navigate the perception of the terms of separation from Aaron Rodgers because I think, as we have seen all offseason, Neither Aaron Rodgers or the Packers front office wants to be the one to be blamed for a potential Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers separation. Um, Overall, I think it's a bit worrying that we're seeing this stance go back and forth. I I think that what the Green Bay Packers front office should be doing is probably just being a little bit more coy with these conversations overall. Because when you start talking up Jordan Love, and maybe that's for the purpose of trading him, you are, in effect, talking down Aaron Rodgers and potentially rubbing your relationship with him a little bit of the wrong way. And when you start talking up Aaron Rodgers, you are maybe inflating his trade value, but you are deflating the trade value of Jordan Love. And if Aaron Rodgers does not come back, you are 
than rubbing the ego, perhaps. I don't know if Jordan Love has an ego. I think we can all agree that Aaron Rodgers does, but you're ultimately deflating Jordan Love by doing it the other way. I think the Packers front office should be playing this a bit more coyly, uh, but I'm not an NFL executive, and here we are. So, moving off of football, I know that's more time than we spend on most stories on this podcast, but I thought the comments were really interesting, and we may as well talk about them a little bit. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks, the most recent world champion organization in the uh, state of Wisconsin. Milwaukee Bucks are starting their first game of a back-to-back tonight, where the Bucks play uh, at the Brooklyn Nets tonight, and they'll play again in Milwaukee against the Orlando Magic. Uh, more importantly than even necessarily the Bucks matchup tonight is that the Boston Celtics lost last night to the New York Knicks. It, it's huge. So now the Bucks and the Celtics are tied atop the Eastern Conference standings. The Bucks have played two fewer games, so the Bucks actually have the best win percentage in the NBA overall. But with a win, the Bucks could go up a half game on the Celtics tonight. Uh, the Bucks are, of course, seeking their 15th straight win. Their 14-game win streak is the longest win streak in the NBA overall this season. Uh, the Bucks and Nets is a game catch tonight at 6.30 Central, and that will be televised on Bally Sports Wisconsin and NBA TV. The Bucks and Nets have played twice so far this season. They have split the first two matchups, but since those two teams have played, these teams are incredibly different. The Nets no longer have Kevin Durant. The Nets no longer have Kyrie Irving. Uh, the Nets have since added Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, of course, the two big pieces they got back in that Kevin Durant trade uh, from the Phoenix Suns. And the Bucks, meanwhile, have added Jay Crowder. And that was the piece that went to the Nets from Phoenix as part of the Kevin Durant package and then came back Milwaukee's way after Milwaukee was trying to get Jay Crowder on the Bucks for what seemed like the entire season so far. As for the injury report, uh, Giannis is probable to play with the leg injury that he sustained uh, in that first game back from the All-Star break. He sat out against the Suns on Sunday, a game uh, Kevin Durant also didn't play in. Uh, he did not play for his new team, and of course, he's not playing for his old team this week. Uh, you thought basically either way, the, <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks were going to see Kevin Durant sometime this week here, the last week of February, but no Kevin Durant seat to be seen uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks this week. And Wes Matthews continues to sit out with that right calf strain that he sustained. Uh, on the Brooklyn Nets side, Ben Simmons is out. Uh, this will be his uh, 13th missed game so far this season. Uh, and so I think that this this game is really hard to predict, really hard to kind of talk about what we're going to see. The Nets team is still very new. Uh, there's not a lot to really go off of in terms of understanding what we're going to see from this Brooklyn Nets team. Uh, and I think they are still in a position where that front office, that coaching staff needs to figure out how much they really intend to compete this season. Obviously, it's hard to tell players on the court not to compete and the NBA trade deadline has passed. But uh, I think we have to see how the second half of this season shakes out, whether we find out if the Nets are in a rebuilding period or in a retooling period with everything they have uh, in terms of their players acquired from the Kyrie and Kevin Durant trades and, of course, in their draft capital that they acquired from uh, like the Kevin Durant trade and the ensuing pieces of that as well. Uh, I think what's really interesting to watch in this game, aside from just looking to find out the result, 
is the matchup between the two big men on the court. Uh, Brooklyn's Nick Claxton and uh, Milwaukee's Brooke Lopez are number two and number three in blocks per game so far this season in the NBA. Uh, of course, Milwaukee Bucks fans will know that's a category that Brooke Lopez dominated for large parts of this season so far. Uh, but now he has fallen to third uh, with 2.4 blocks per game, just behind Nick Claxton in second, uh, who has a 2.6 block per game mark on the season. Uh, so I think watch those big men, uh, see how that plays out. It'll be interesting if we get to see Giannis play or not. Uh, I think that there's a good chance we see Giannis play in this game and then sit tomorrow night uh, against the Magic because that will be a far less competitive game, even with uh, you know, th- this game should still be competitive. I don't think the Nets are a bad team, uh, even though they've traded away perhaps their two best players. But we'll see what happens with Giannis. I think we see him play sometime before the end of this week. And if it's in this game tonight, I don't think we see him in Milwaukee tomorrow. Moving on to the ice. And we're going to talk Wisconsin women's hockey again for just a moment. Uh, I know we talked about getting a... WCHA final face-off preview, a Wisconsin hockey bracketology preview up. That's not going to be quite today yet. Those are still coming. But I think we need to hit on the awards that have been won by Wisconsin women's hockey players, not just this week, but I think a little bit overall this season and awards that are still to come this upcoming weekend, because I think it tells a big story about what we are going to see in the next two, three years Uh, from this Wisconsin women's hockey team. First, we have the WCHA Rookie of the Month, Layla Edwards. She's a first-year forward, and she had seven points in February, the second most of any Badger, and she had two game-winning goals in February. This is the first time that Layla Edwards has won the Rookie of the Month award, but Wisconsin first-years have won this award four times now this season. Caroline Harvey, who we talked about her very impressive rookie season so far on yesterday's episode, and we're going to talk about how impressive she has been even more in this episode. Uh, she won the award twice, and uh, Kirsten Sims had won the WCHA Rookie of the Month award back in December. So all five Badgers, moving off of the monthly award, all five rookie Badgers have earned at least one Rookie of the Week award, and When you look at the all-conference teams in the WCHA, the all-rookie team, of which there are five skaters and a goalie, three of the five skaters are from UW, and those are the three skaters who have won the Rookie of the Month award at Wisconsin, Caroline Harvey, Layla Edwards, and Kirsten Sims. And Harvey not only was on the all-rookie team, but also actually made the all-conference second team uh, as, as a defender as well. When you look at that, that on its own is really impressive to have three of the five skaters win the win those all rookie team awards and also having one of those rookie skaters on an all conference team. Beyond that, there were three finalists named for the all uh, named for the rookie of the year award in the WCHA, and so put that together. There's a five skater pairing of the rookies in the conference, and there are three finalists named. Believe it or not, all three finalists are those three Wisconsin Badgers who are named to the all-rookie team. Very, very, very impressive slate of rookies we have here at Wisconsin. And even beyond that, Carolyn Harvey was named a top three finalist for the Conference Defender of the Year Award. 
not a rookie defender of the year award for the best defense defender in the conference overall. Because Harvey was on the all-conference second team, I imagine that award is actually going to uh, one of the two defenders who made the first team. I think it's a little odd that uh, the conference names a top three finalist for a- an award that you have a uh, pretty clear top two in because you name a, a top two pairing, kind of like uh, <laughs> when you name finalists for a goaltender of the year award, but you put one goaltender on the all-conference first team. A little bit odd, but even though uh, Caroline Harvey is probably not going to win the award if she were to, she'd be the first batter to win the award since 2012, and it would be a huge accomplishment. Beyond the awards themselves, uh, I think it's important to note that, man, the kids are good on this team. These rookies are going to make a huge impact moving forward for this Wisconsin team. And I think we can admit a little bit that this season for the Wisconsin women's hockey team has felt like a down year at times. You finished third in the conference, a conference that you expect to dominate year in and year out. You had the rise of Ohio State in this conference just becoming a juggernaut over the last four or five years or so. And now, uh, of course, coming off their national championship season, winning the conference another year uh, right after that. And so it's been a challenge for Wisconsin this season. And although Wisconsin has certainly competed with the likes at the top of the conference with Ohio State, with Minnesota, who finished both of those teams ahead of Wisconsin this year. And Wisconsin hasn't lost to Minnesota yet this season, not in regulation or overtime. They took a shootout loss, but it's not really a loss. Uh, It only is in the eyes of WCHA standings, but not actually uh, for pairwise rankings. And I think it gives Wisconsin fans a lot to be hopeful moving forward for this program. Caroline Harvey could be an absolute star in college hockey in the next couple of years, and there's no reason right now to think that she won't. Uh, And there's no reason right now to think that Layla Edwards uh, is going to be right up there with her uh, just scoring, dominating stat sheet, as well as these other three rookies for Wisconsin. All right, now that we've talked about other sports that are not college basketball, it is February 28th. Some like to call it the uh, March negative first, which means that we got college basketball to talk about all across the back half of the show here in the bottom three stories of the six pack here. And we're going to talk about the Wisconsin bracketology update and what we need to be watching for as Wisconsin fans in the next days in coming. Uh, first, so take a look at Bracket Matrix. Bracketmatrix.com looks at brackets across the internet, takes them all into account, uh, you know, all the predictors that you can think of, the Jordan Jerry Palms, um, and, and puts them all into a machine, tells you who has which teams all in the NCAA tournament. Bracket Matrix takes 97 brackets into account, and 64 of those 97 currently have the batters in, putting them really, really, really firmly on the bubble right now. Um, and that means that Wisconsin has some work to do, and they need to win some games here in order to make sure that they get into the NCAA tournament. Places that have Wisconsin in the NCAA tournament tournament typically have them as the last four into the tournament. And when you look at the net rankings, the NCAA evaluation tool, NET, net, uh, Wisconsin is ranked 72nd in those rankings, and they are 6-6 six and six in quadrant one opportunities, 
4, and 5 in Quadrant 2. Basically, you take the top half of teams or opportunities in college basketball because teams are rated a little bit differently on their home court versus away from their home court. Uh, you want these two records to be above 500 overall. So Wisconsin 6-6 six and six in Quadrant 1, 4-5 and five in Quadrant 2, putting them just one game below 500 in the first two quadrants in the top half of college basketball uh, when, when they're playing teams in the top half of college basketball, I should specify. But that means that Wisconsin has some work, and they're going to go and play Purdue tomorrow night, and that loss is going to put them at 6-7, and seven, assuming that Wisconsin does lose to the Boilermakers tomorrow night, and put them 6-7 and seven at Quadrant 1, and two games below 500 in Quadrant 2. That's going to be tough, uh, putting them in really, really tough position uh, to make the NCAA tournament. I think that one of the things that Wisconsin has going for it is that some of these other teams on the bubble, on the outside looking in, don't have anywhere near the number of Quadrant 1 wins that Wisconsin has. Uh, overall, that's part of the fact that the Big Ten rates as an extremely good conference this season. Uh, but we're going to be looking close, and Wisconsin Badger fans need to be taking into account all their teams all the other teams on the bubble playing basically every day between now and Selection Sunday in just under two weeks. So teams that Wisconsin fans should be watching today. First, Clemson. Clemson is not in any of the major productions right now, but it is on the bubble, typically in those first four out spaces. And Clemson plays at Virginia at 6 p.m. tonight. Second, Boise State. Boise State is also in the last four in, in a lot of places, along with Wisconsin, and it would be really good for Wisconsin if the Mountain West only got in one or two teams into the NCAA tournament. Right now, uh, the major selectors have the Mountain West getting three teams in, including Boise State. Boise State plays at 8 p.m. against San Diego State. San Diego State, very, very, very good team. It would be Really good if you're a Badger fan for San Diego State to take care of business and beat Boise State tonight. Thirteen, Mississippi State. Mississippi State is hanging around, just avoiding a trip to Dayton in the first four. They're not quite on the bubble yet, but they could be pushed onto the bubble, and that would, you know, maybe mess up this a little bit. Maybe Mississippi State takes another unexpected loss somewhere on top of this, on top of this game tonight. And all of a sudden, we're looking at Wisconsin sliding up just a little bit over Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State has a game tonight at 8 p.m. against South Carolina. Finally, the last team on the bubble who's playing tonight is Liberty. They play tonight in the Patriot League Tournament quarterfinals. But I'll get into this a little bit more at the end of the show uh, when we go over our conference tournament previews for tonight and the interesting case of Liberty as an at-large team, and whether or not we're going to see Liberty get into the tournament. Two other teams of interest, they're not bubble teams, but previous opponents of Wisconsin is first Wake Forest, who Wisconsin lost to as part of the uh, all-final ACC Big Ten Challenge at the Kohl Center. You don't want the Demon Deacons to take a bad loss tonight to Boston College. You want the Demon Deacons to look as strong as possible and not weaken the Wisconsin resume any further, uh, and that game is at 6 p.m. on ESPNU. Second team is Dayton, who Wisconsin played all the way back at Battle for Atlantis, and Dayton started in the top 25 of the season and has really disappointed. It's part of the reason that the Atlantic 10 isn't going to be a multi-bid lead league this year, like some people thought coming into the season, and Dayton plays LaSalle also at 6 p.m. So 
Teams, Wisconsin fans want to win tonight. Wake Forest and Dayton both play at six. And then teams, Wisconsin fans want to lose tonight is Clemson at six. Liberty at six. And then Boise State, Mississippi State at eight. Moving on to the other University of Wisconsin system team has a legitimate shot at making the NCAA tournament this year is UW-Milwaukee. And I want to preview the Horizon League tournament just a little bit here. So the Horizon League tournament starts tonight, and UW-Milwaukee is going to play one of the winner of Wright State and Green Bay or the winner of Detroit Mercy and Purdue-Fort Wayne, depending on how results around the tournament end up shaking out, depending on what happens. Those games are going to be held tonight at 6 p.m., those first-round games on ESPN+. Plus. So I think there's two scenarios that I like the best for Milwaukee coming out of here. Uh, Milwaukee is going to play the second-highest remaining seed after they secure the second seed in the conference tournament, the first seed, of course, being conference champion Youngstown State. The Youngstown State Penguins won their first Horizon League title this season, and so if seeding the polls, uh, where we have number six, Robert Morris, win over number 11, IUPUI, number seven, Wright State, win over number 10, Green Bay, and number eight, Detroit Mercy, win over number nine, Purdue Fort Wayne. If seeding holds, I don't hate this scenario for UW-Milwaukee, uh, where then you're going to have number eight, Detroit Mercy, the lowest remaining seed, go to Youngstown State, and number seven, Wright State, goes to play Milwaukee. I don't hate this for Milwaukee for two reasons. One is the Milwaukee reason, and two is the Youngstown State reason. First, Milwaukee playing Wright State. Milwaukee was swept by Wright State in the regular season, but both of those games were very close. First, uh, Milwaukee lost at home to Wright State in overtime, and then later, Wisconsin uh, Milwaukee lost by seven at Wright State. Two close games. It's hard to knock off a team three times in one season, and I think that uh, I think that Milwaukee fans are going to get up and going to be rowdy for this game. The second reason I like this scenario for Milwaukee a little bit is because it sends Detroit Mercy to Youngstown State. I don't think Detroit Mercy is very good. Uh, I'll get to this a little bit later, but I think Youngstown State is definitely the best scene in the horizon. But Detroit Mercy does have the nation's leading scorer in Antoine Davis, and you never know if he just might explode, score 30 points, score, I don't know, 40 points. I don't think he's going to score 40 points. But if he goes off and has an incredible for performance for Detroit Mercy, maybe it ends up being enough to just explode and knock off Youngstown State in an incredible upset. The second scenario I like the best is where you get two upsets where number 11, IUPUI, upsets Robert Morris, and number 10, Green Bay, upsets Wright State. That would send Green Bay to Milwaukee, and although rivalry games in a tournament are something that you don't often like to see as a sportsman when you are by far the better team, because that rivalry can be an, even, an evener on the, on the field, on the court, uh, I, I think this isn't something Milwaukee should necessarily be afraid of, and I think would be a, a decent scenario for them. One, these teams split the season series. Each time, the road team won. But I don't think Green Bay can pull off another upset of Milwaukee. First, Green Bay is back. There's a reason 
that it fire its head coach in the middle of the season. Second, I think the Panthers are going to be ticked off if they get Green Bay again. And they're going to want that revenge back for the late home loss that Milwaukee took. That if Milwaukee did not take that late home loss in the season, Milwaukee could have the number one seed in the Horizon League tournament. That was another overtime loss for Milwaukee. And they just blew that game. And I think Milwaukee will be ticked off. I think you'll get a lot of excited Milwaukee fans who want to beat their fierce rival and advance to the semifinals in Indianapolis of the Horizon League tournament. And doing that over Green Bay, who took that number one seed chance away from you, is going to be something that I think Milwaukee fans and the players on Milwaukee will really want to happen. Overall, I think this Horizon League tournament is going to be incredibly entertaining. I do think Youngstown State is going to win the tournament. I think the Penguins are simply the best team in the conference. Uh, I, I don't think there's a huge margin, but I think it's pretty clear that Youngstown State is the best team in this conference. And I just want Milwaukee to get to Indianapolis, to have a shot, get to the semifinals. And, you know, if they can then win that game in the semifinals, you get a shot at Youngstown State because Getting the two seed means the Panthers avoid the Penguins until the finals, which is big. And if Milwaukee gets all the way back, there's a chance that Milwaukee can do it. Milwaukee won against Youngstown State at home by 13, but at Youngstown State, the Penguins lavered the Panthers uh, by almost 30 points. So it, it would be an interesting matchup. I think Youngstown State ends up holding chalk here, uh, being number one seed, ends up winning the tournament, gets to the Horizon League tournament. But this is already a huge accomplishment season for Burt Mundy in his first year as head coach of the Milwaukee Panthers. Of course, taking a team that was preseason projected to finish ninth in the conference and then coming just a game shy of actually winning it, of being the number one seed in the Horizon League tournament. It's been an incredible season so far for UW Milwaukee. I think there's a lot of reason for fans to be excited and to see what uh, Milwaukee can keep building on. But job's not done yet, and Milwaukee can go and get to the NCAA tournament. And uh, I think they were real shocked to do so. Finally, now since we're talking about a bunch of random conference tournaments, let's rattle off what else we got going on in conference tournament action today. Overall, we previewed this a little bit yesterday, and we have the second day unofficially of March Madness with 11 conference tournament games starting today. As a reminder, 32 of the 68 participants in the NCAA tournament get there by winning their conference tournaments. So let's talk about everything we got going on today. Uh, first, the A-Sun tournament is today. And we had first round games in that tournament yesterday where Queens uh, knocked off Florida Gulf Coast. And in, in another really exciting finish, uh, Bellarmine knocked off North Florida. Bellarmine hit a last second shot, less than a last second shot. There was less than a second left on the clock. Bellarmine hit in order to win that game, and they advanced to play Liberty. Uh, as I mentioned, Liberty, who has a quirky case as an at-large team, is one of these teams playing four quarterfinal matchups in the A-Sun tournament today. Uh, these games are going to be at 6 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus where Liberty, the two-seed in the A-Sun. You know, predictive metrics love Liberty. They are 43rd at Ken Palm, 40th in the net, and 34th at Bart Torvik. Currently, according to Bracket Matrix, 63 of 97 brackets have Liberty in as of yesterday, but 
Liberty had a little bit of trouble, even though the predictive metrics really, really, really like the Flames. Uh, Liberty is 0-3 in quad one opportunities. The Flames do not have a quad one win. And uh, Liberty is only 1-1 in quad two. So Liberty is 1-4 in games where they have played against opponents in the top half of college basketball. So Wisconsin fans, you want to see Liberty win this conference tournament because you don't want the committee to even consider an at-large Liberty out of the field. And I know we spent a lot of time talking earlier in this podcast about you want bubble teams to lose to push them off of the bubble. In this case, I think you want the bubble team Liberty to win because you want Liberty to take the only spot in the NCAA tournament that the A-Sun is possibly going to get. Uh, don't even give the committee a reason to have to consider Liberty as an at-large candidate. The second uh, conference tournament that kicks off today uh, is the Patriot League. The Patriot League is a tournament for absolute sickos of college basketball. Uh, there are two games in the Patriot League tournament today. Uh, the winner of American and Bucknell will advance to play Navy, while the winner of Loyola Maryland and Holy Cross will advance to play the defending Patriot League tournament champion, Colgate. Badger fans will remember uh, Colgate was Wisconsin's first-round opponent in the NCAA tournament last season. Now, like I mentioned, these games are for the real sicko fans of college basketball. Loyola Maryland and Holy Cross both rank outside the top 300 teams in college basketball, with American and Bucknell not far behind in the high 200s. Lastly, the Sunbelt Tournament is also underway today, and there are another two first-round games in the Sunbelt, and those games will start at 5 Central. You have Coastal Carolina and Arkansas State, followed by Texas State and Georgia State, that game being held at 7.30 Central. Much like the Patriot League, much like the Horizon League, only one team from Sunbelt is going to make it to the NCAA tournament, so each of these four teams in the Sunbelt is fighting for their season. So those are your conference tournament action updates for today. If you like these conference tournament updates, I actually put them up in video form on my Twitter account, and the video has me breaking down the matchups here along with the brackets so you can visualize and see the brackets uh, along with what I am talking about. might give you a little bit of better perspective if that's something that helps you when you are conceptualizing what it is you might want to talk about, what you might want to think about, what you might want to watch uh, in college basketball tonight. Overall, that's all I got for today. Thanks for listening along. This has been the Scotty Six Pack Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Scotty Six Pack. I have been your host, Kendrick Sumbrus. You can follow me on Twitter at Kendrick Sumbrus. Thanks for listening. I'm Wisconsin.